This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak this morning on finding completion in Him. Finding completion in Him. I want to start off by reading Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 15 to 17, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion. And it says, "For it's speaking about Jesus. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. And the firstborn heir of all creation, for in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. I want you to say that. Everything finds completion in him. Everything finds completion in him. There are a couple of things I want to touch on on this. Um, the one thing is this. He is the true likeness of the invisible God. The true like it's talking about Jesus is the true likeness of the invisible God. There's some things, if you've been here for any period of time, you will see some common themes that keep recurring. There's a reason for that, and it's not unintentional. I kind of build them into my messages with regularity because I think that they're fundamentally a part of what God's design is and what he's trying to do. And so when it talks about Jesus as being the visible, and I've got the visible and the invisible and the uh, the true likeness of the invisible God. True likeness. There are two things that are important there. The, the one thing is this. When God created man, he said, let us create man in our image after our likeness. That is so critical because it gets down to the purpose that you were created. Everything sits right in that space right over there. And what Jesus is saying and what, what these words talk to us about is that Jesus becomes the ultimate model for what it means to be human, what it is to be the true likeness of the invisible God. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was he saying? He was saying, there's something that is on, on the inside of me, the very life of God, the Father. And as a result of who the Father is, as a result of living from that truth, what ends up happening is you get to see who the Father is. Truth in this context is not talking about what is truth and what is untruthful. That's not what he's talking about. Truth in this context is in the context of the, the true representation of who the Father is. He's talking in the context of covenants. Old covenant was just as true as the new covenant. The old covenant was given by God. The problem with the old covenant was it never had life. It wasn't life. It was law. So people had to live by law. And it was like, if you can live by the law, you can please God and you will look like him. What Jesus was saying was, the old covenant has passed away. I am the truth of the new covenant. What he was saying was, the very life of who the father is, is born on the inside of me. So when you see me, when you see the way that I think, when you see the way that I behave, when you see the way that I act, when you see the way that I have influence in the space, what I'm showing you is the life of the father. That's really what the truth is all about. The true representation, it becomes really important because truth is all about life. Truth is all about life. 
Um, I'm going to touch on this point a few times because it is the distinguishing characteristic when God created Adam and he put him in the garden. He gave him the option to choose two trees to live from, the tree of life or the tree of knowledge. What he was saying is when you live from the tree of life, who I am and what I'm all about will be born in you. You become that. When you eat from the tree of knowledge, the problem with it is I begin to think like that and gain an understanding of that, but I don't become it. That's why when you get born again, what happens? The life of God comes and dwells on the inside of you. You become a brand new creation in him. Not because you knew about God, not because you knew you needed to be a good person, not because you knew that you needed to do some stuff and stop doing some stuff. The reason that you became a new creation was because his life came on the inside of me. I have become a brand new creation. Everything was passed away and everything has become brand new. I'm living in a covenant of life. I'm living in the, in the dimension of life right now. But that isn't what I wanted to speak about anyway. The point is this. In him was created the universe of things. In him was created the universe of things. Uni, universe, comes from the Latin word, two words, uni and verse. Uni means singular, and verse means spoken. So we live in a singular spoken sentence. We live in a singular spoken sentence. Let there be. Let there be. God doesn't create from what he has. God creates from who he is. It's really important. I'm going to touch on this a little bit later because it's a principle in the way that God operates. God doesn't create from what he has. He creates from who he is. The thing is, he's going to do the same thing in your life. The reason that he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness is because he's saying, when I become what you model your life after, you position yourself in a place of power and authority. You position yourself in a place of influence to create. And that creation is going to come as a result of who you are being born of him, conformed to the image of Christ, not because of what you have. So it becomes really important. Your identity in God becomes so fundamental because what your future is going to look like in terms of your relationship with God is completely dependent on your ability to step into his image so that I can reflect his likeness. Everything about my relationship with God has to do with how I'm able to be conformed to the image of Christ because if I live from the image of Christ, I'm able to influence from the image of Christ. Everything that God's going to do in your world is going to come to your identity. Identity is key to everything when it comes to kingdom living. Things don't simply happen in our life because God drops it out of heaven. He gives you something so that you can have influence. And what he imparts to you is spiritual in nature so that you can take spiritual matter and have influence in the natural dimension. So we begin to start to explore all of these things. What's so wonderful about creation is all you have to do is go outside and you have such an appreciation for everything that exists out there. 
to me, there's something that's the most, one of the most thrilling things for me is when you go off on safari. I love that because you get out of everything. You get out of the cities and the blah, 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 and you get all the way out into nature. And when you're out there, you get to experience the fullness of the originality of everything. And what's so amazing is when you're out there and you're away from the light, you can look up at the sky and they seem to go on forever. You can see stars and, and, and it just, everything is so bright. It's just amazing. Creation is amazing. It doesn't matter where you go. You see points that are incredible, points that are amazing, things that you have a look at and you sit and think, wow, that's just so overwhelming. Overwhelming. Creation. Creation. Creation speaks to a creator. A creator. What an awesome God he must be to be able to create everything that he did. What's so important about God is this. God will always introduce himself as I am that I am. And what he means by that is this. I am whole in myself. I am full and I am the essence of abundant life. I am not lacking in anything. I'm unbroken, I'm undamaged, and I'm unfallen. I'm completely complete, and I'm entirely whole within myself. It's a picture to us of a God who is the picture of perfection. Fully sustaining within himself doesn't need anyone or anything else. You know what it's a picture of? Holiness. Holiness is all about completion. When God speaks about who he is as I am that I am, he's talking about one that is fully complete, fully whole, fully alive, needing nothing, wanting nothing, purely self-sustaining, one that is whole and complete. The picture of perfection is what holiness is all about. And so when he says to us, John, uh, Matthew 5 verse 48 says, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect there in the Greek speaks about whole. He's speaking about holiness. Another way of saying that is the exhortation is, Be holy as I am holy. So when we begin to explore holiness in that context, it becomes quite interesting because we sit and say, for so long we've heard about the fact that to be holy, you need to be a person who has the right behavior. But the challenge is that God never struggled with his behavior. So that couldn't really be appropriate. And then we hear, well, what really what it means is that the fact that we need to be um, removed and set apart so that we, we're not defiled by the world. But God has never been defiled by the world. And so that doesn't really fit that context either. And then we, you know, it, it's so, you, you need to steer clear of sin, which I understand the context of that, but really that's never been a problem for God. So when we talk about be holy as I am holy, what is God saying? He's saying, I'm looking for you to be whole and I'm looking for you to be complete in me. When I talk about the invitation to you for you to be holy, what I'm inviting you into is wholeness and completion, fullness and life of abundancy. I'm inviting you to a place where you are no longer needing anything, where you are no longer broken, no longer damaged, and there's not a part of you that is not complete and whole within itself. 
(gasps) That's what he's inviting me into. That's what he's inviting you into. And you know why he's inviting you into that? Because he knows that you can't get there. Without him, you will never get there. Because I am that I am. And the problem with it is as long as he is not the I am that I am, my brokenness and my need will take me to a place where I'm trying to get what I should be getting from God as my source out in my world. And so what ends up happening is instead of going into my world and having the ability to be a person of influence, to be a person who's be able to take from my abundance and to be able to move into that space and affect it in a meaningful and in a positive way for God, the problem with it is I'm trying to fill my need. I'm trying to fix those things that are apart from me. So what ends up happening is I take from creation, which includes other people, and I try and get from them what I should be getting from God. He invites us into the picture of perfection in the context of being whole. (gasps) Why? Because he wants relationship with you. He wants to be one with you. He's looking for us to partner with him. And that's why it becomes so important that you don't know about wholeness and that you don't know about fullness and that you don't just know about what it needs to be complete and live from life from abundance, but it actually is born inside of you. Why? Because it's no point me knowing about wholeness. I want to experience it. It's all about life. That's why God is, has such a, pre, a, 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 a disposition where his focus is all about sonship. Why? Because sons are born. They're not, they, they don't come about through knowledge. Unless you're born of who I am, unless you carry my nature on the inside of you, you're not of me. Sonship is all about taking off who he is and allowing that to inform who I am, to change who I am, to transform me into his image. Because as I begin to take from him and partake of him, I'm stepping into wholeness all the time. I'm stepping into fullness all the time. I'm leaving something behind because it's not a part of who he is. And as I step into that and as I partner with him and as I allow his love and his grace and his nature to influence who I am, I'm partaking of him on a regular basis. I'm beginning to look like him. As I step into wholeness, as I step into completion, I look more and more like him. I'm just saying. I'm looking more and more like him. So it's interesting because when we talk about creation, we're also talking about the created All of us in the room and the room itself and the chairs you're sitting on. Everything is part of what is being created. So scientists tell us that the basic building blocks of the universe are time, space, and matter. Time, space, and matter. Those are the three key ingredients. And until you have time, space, and matter, you actually don't have a universe. The universe is important because the universe basically describes kind of a whole bag of where everything is. You, me, the world, the earth, the stars, the planets, everything is that whole thing is wrapped up in a place called the universe. And all of that, the basic building blocks of it, are time, space, and matter. 
And so they've been looking for a long time to try and find out, and there are all kinds of theories and all kinds of ideas as to where time, space, and matter came from. Actually, if they would just open their Bibles, they would discover in the very first verse of the very first chapter, God says, in the beginning, (gasps) he just created time. Beginning. What is he saying? He's saying it starts from now. Beginning is about the beginning of process. It's the beginning. From this point on, things begin to happen. God says, in the beginning, he just created time. In the beginning, God created the heavens. It's talking about the universe. He's talking about space. Space, not space as in spacecraft. Space, area. God created the heavens and the earth, matter. Genesis 1.1. Time, space, and matter came into being. Time, space, and matter came into being. The creator created time, space, matter. Everything came from him. Why is it important? Because as the creator, he is the source of everything. So what's important in this is this. God is spirit. God took of who he was and he created natural. The root of everything which is natural is spirit. The reason that's fundamentally important to you and me is this. Anytime God, as the author or creator of those things, is to take and have influence in that space, he takes spirit to have influence in natural and things happen. If you want to change your world, don't try and do it by conforming to your world. The way we change our world is by connecting with the author, with the creator. Because when you, when you connect with the author and the creator, he gives you spiritual substance. Things of him. He invests of him in you. And when I have of him in me, it introduces me to spiritual substance. And when I can take spiritual substance and I can speak to that mountain. What am I doing? I'm taking which is of him and I'm speaking into the natural which was created from him and I'm looking for the author of that to have influence to change something. If you want to change your world, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your paradigm, if you want to change your circumstances and your challenges, get together with God. Because what he's going to do is he's going to give you something in completion with him so that you can walk into the fullness of what that's all about. It becomes so important for us to understand the relationship that God, as the creator, took of himself spiritual matter to create natural. Natural. I've got to jump over a few things. Let me say this. So scientists today are of the opinion that if something, in doing their research, unless they find something that is in the natural realm, um, they discount it and don't believe that it exists. And so that's why they don't believe in God, because they can't find God in this realm. The challenge with it is this. The creator is always separate to the creation. How many of you have an iPhone? I have one. It's horrid. It 
gives me so many problems. And for something that's supposed to be so advanced, and it may be user error, so <laughs> it's entirely plausible. But the point of it is this. If you were to take your iPhone and you were a person who was technical and you really had know-how and you were able to take your iPhone and you took it apart, you would be able to look at it and you would be amazed at the technology that, is, that, that forms a part of that. You might be really impressed at the fact that it's able to do so much and its functionality is incredible. You might be able to go through the little bits and pieces and be incredibly um, over, overcome by how they're able to take so much technology and put it into a small place. And yet the funny thing about it, despite everything that you may discover in there, there's one thing that you're not going to find. Steve Jobs. <laughs> Why? Because the creator is always outside of creation. So anytime you're trying to find God in the creation, you're in, you put yourself in a compromised place because the creator is always outside of creation. Scientists are never going to find God in creation. All of creation testifies to a greater being. All of creation speaks to something greater than me. All of creation speaks about the fact that there is a creator outside of what has been created. But you're not going to find God in the iPhone. People who want to go and stroll in their garden because I find God, that God's not in your garden. Testifies of him, but he's not there. But the amazing thing about God is this. God, because of his love for who we are, made a decision that although I created creation, although I created this universe, what I want to do is I actually want to go into that space so that I can present myself to man and have relationship with him. And so when we have a look at Jesus, Jesus was the God human. Came in to his creation. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The creator went into creation. That's interesting. It says something about how much God loves who we are. And God isn't looking for us to try and connect with the creator who's outside of creation. There are certain denominations right now who don't believe in the fact that you should be born again. And they worship a God who is outside of who they are. They worship a God who is outside of themselves. They worship a God who is outside of creation. He's up there somewhere. But that isn't what God's intention was. God's intention was to have relationship with us. And so the reason that he was able to come in as Jesus the man was because of the way that he created man. Let us create man in our image after our likeness. And what did God do? God created man of the dust of the earth. Your body is dust. Your organs are dust. Everything here is dust. But the thing about it is, he didn't just leave you as dust. What he said is, I'm going to make something of you. I'm going to make you a vessel. And so he breathed into man the breath of life. He put into man spirit. Spirit is a God container. God is spirit. The reason that Jesus 
could be God, the God human, was because he had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. He had the life of God on the inside of him. But he was also man. When God created man, he created us as a vessel. He created us not only with dust, but he created us with spirit. Why? Because he was looking for us to contain God. You are a vessel. If we have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. When he speaks about earthen vessels, he's talking about the fact that you're a chosen vessel. You're a chosen vessel. You are unique in creation. When God created everything, he created the birds and the plants and the grass and the animals and the birds. He created everything. But you know what? There's only one unique vessel in there that actually is a God container. It's you. Nothing else has the capacity to hold God. He created you with the Spirit. And so we have this treasure, treasure in earthen vessels. What does it mean? It's talking about the Spirit of God. When you get born again, the Spirit of God can come from outside of creation into creation, not only just to like wander around and be around you, but actually to inhabit your very being. The God of creation comes and lives on the inside of you. And it speaks about the fact that he's shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. What is he saying? The very life of God that's on the inside of us is looking to have influence in who we are. And that light illuminates who he is. It gives us an understanding of who God is. It's wanting to be at a place where what it does is it takes of the Father and births life inside of us. One of the biggest things that we find ourselves in is we will all find ourselves in a place at some point where we have to face the same challenge that Adam faced. And it's an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust. God said to Adam, I will give you and make you everything that you needed to be if you live from life. The temptation that Adam faced was, do you trust God to do that, or do you think you could become God on your own? And Adam made a choice. Basically, what he said is, I don't really trust God to do it. I think God's holding out on me, so I'll do it myself. As we journey through life and we have the the life of God on the inside of us, the invitation that he always extends to us is, do you trust me? to be able to walk you into the fullness of what I've designed you to do, what I've designed you to be. And we have to make a decision in that. And anytime we lean to our own understanding, what ends up happening is we embrace sin. What does sin mean? Sin means God has a plan and a direction for my life. And when I partner with God, I stay in that place. When I sin, it means I hear what God says, I understand the invitation, but I'm taking it upon myself to navigate my own journey. So it separates me from God. I'm going down this path because I think that if I go and pursue and have an extramarital affair, I'm going to be happy. 
And God's like, where are you going? Sometimes we do things that are not intentionally as overt as that. There are times where we do different things. People find a sense of, of being in accomplishment. People find a sense of security from money. We have different things that we, we, we get hold of. But as you journey with God, what you're going to find is he's always going to sit and say, you know what, my invitation is for you to come to the point where you discover your wholeness and your fullness of being in me. And so as we journey with him, with regularity, he's going to bring stuff up and sit and say, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to come to me and find completion in me? Or do you want to go your own way? And we have a choice about what it is that we want to do. He always honors that. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. What's happened is that Saul has met with, um, with Jesus. He's been traveling along and Jesus knocks him off his donkey and they have the, in, you know, they, God, Jesus meets and introduces himself to him and he's gone off. And now Jesus is talking to Ananias and he's going to send Ananias to go and speak to Saul. And he says, this is Saul. He says, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. This man is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name. This man is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name. As a vessel, I want you to know something. You are a chosen vessel to him to bear his name. Do you know what that means? It means every time I move to a place where I'm discovering something more of God, it begins to touch and affect and change who I am. As I live from his perfection and his wholeness, it comes in and affects me. And as a result of that, I take that and I live from a different place. I live from a place of wholeness and completion. And when I live from that, that is the likeness that I reflect to the rest of the world. What is happening? I'm, I am bearing his name to the rest of the world. When it says that I am a, a living story to the world, it's talking about me being a testimony to the world. What it's saying is when I live in relationship with God, it is dynamic and it's life-giving. It's going to change who you are in dramatic ways. Not because you're going to know more about God, but because that life is going to be born on the inside of you. And when it's born on the inside of you and it touches you and it changes you, what ends up happening is you live differently. You behave differently. You engage with situations differently because all of a sudden I'm not in this situation to consume or to get. I'm not easily wounded and offended because it doesn't affect me. I'm in the situation because I recognize that the greater one lives on the inside of me. And all of a sudden I recognize that I have fullness and wholeness and completion, that I have something to take and to invest in the situation. I become an agent of change. I become a living testimony to who he is. I'm to bear his name. Okay. Just hear me now. I, I took you along this because I wanted to show you this. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That through his poverty, you might become rich. I have this treasure in earthen vessels. The richness, the overflowing abundance of the spirit of Christ on the inside of me. 
And I might be at a place where I'm not whole, I'm not complete, I'm broken. I've got a whole bunch of different things happening in many different places. But the fact of the matter is, anytime I go to him and I partake of who he is, I'm partaking of his richness. And as a result of his richness and his abundance and his wholeness and completion, it's changing parts of my life so that I'm stepping into that wholeness and fullness. What am I doing? I'm becoming more and more holy. I'm becoming more and more like him. I'm becoming more and more complete as a result of relationship with him. Despite everything you've said, here's the gist of it. Prosperity is God's gateway to holiness. Prosperity is God's gateway to holiness. Don't think of prosperity in the context of money. Every time you talk about money, people default to prosperity, people default to money. It includes money, but it's not limited to money. Prosperity speaks about God and his overflowing abundance. Life of abundance, that's who God is. That's part of what he's all about. God is life of abundance. When you participate in his abundance, what ends up happening is it floods my life and it changes me. As a result of participating in his riches, I become rich in everything. I used to be a person who was anxious and nervous. And what ended up happening? I participated in his prosperity and now I live from a place of peace. I prospered. I prospered. I changed. And as a result of participating in prosperity, what happened? I became holy. I'm stepping into holiness. What does holiness look like? Jesus. Who does Jesus look like? Seen me, seen the Father. Holiness is all about being able to step into the image of who he is. It's all about partaking of everything that he's provided for us. Grace is there. And the wonderful thing about grace is it's freely given to you. Why? Because he wants for us to look like him. He wants for us to experience what it is to be a creator. He's inviting us to look like him. Every time I I partake of who he is, I'm partaking of something which is abundance and which is designed to prosper my life. Mentally, spiritually, physically, in every area of my life, it's designed to influence who I am. Prosperity is the gateway to holiness. Do you get that? Am I explaining it properly? There's no point, I know that there's a thinking out there that it's like, um, if, you, if you're a pauper, you're holy. But if you understand who God is, that's not who God is. The thing is, anytime we're at a deficit in life, we have nothing to offer our world. It's when you have abundance that you have something to give. It's essential that you prosper. Because when you prosper, you're stepping into holiness. When you prosper, you're stepping into fullness. When you prosper, I'm stepping into abundant life. And when I live from abundant life, I've got something to give you. Until I have something to give you, I'm just looking. I'm on the same journey as you. I'm on the same journey as you. Colossians 2 verse 10. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. If you are a vessel, 
and you have the life of Christ on the inside of you, that's the invitation that he extends to you. You are complete in him. You are to live as Jesus lived. What did Jesus model for us? Jesus modeled for us what it was to live with the creator on the inside of who he was. And so when he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, what he was saying was, when you've seen me, you've seen the creator of everything that happens out here. And the reason that I'm able to have influence in the space is because I'm able to participate in something spiritual, which defines who I am. And as a result of living from that spirituality, it introduced me to an identity that is founded on something called authority. Why do I have authority? Because it's not of me, it's of him. It's of the creator. The creator is defining who I am. And when I live from who I am in Christ, I'm living from the creator. And when I have authority, authority introduces you to power. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. It becomes so important. What did Jesus do? Well, how was Jesus able to calm the storm? How was he able to walk on water? Why? Because he took something that was spiritual in nature that came with authority and power. And as he was able to speak to the mountain, things happened. Where was he speaking from? Not his knowledge, not his understanding, but the fact that he had the greater one living on the inside of him. The father was on the inside. The one who created that very situation is the very one who can influence that situation. When he walked into situations, he wasn't going in there as Jesus. He was going in there as the Christ, the anointed one, the one who has the father and the life of the father on the inside of him. So when he prayed for the sick and they recovered, why? Because he he was bringing completion and wholeness to his world. He was taking what the creator had put on the inside of him and using that to have influence in his world. When he took the five loaves and two fishes and he broke them and he fed 5,000 people, where did that come from? The father on the inside. Why? Because fish and bread are nothing more than something that's created. So to be able to have influence over something that's created, I have to go to the creator. When I go to the creator, things can start to happen in my life. It'll change your perspective. Your identity is key because when you allow Christ to flood your life and you get whole and full and complete in him, when you take on his image, be conformed to the image of Christ. Why? Because when I'm conformed to his image, what ends up happening is I see like he does. And I recognize the fact that I have him on the inside of me. And as a result of his fullness, I'm able to take of that and I'm able to move into spaces and take it and have influence. Not because of me, but because of him. Three John chapter one, verse two says, beloved, beloved, you know who beloved is? Why is it you, Rafa? Keep going, you'll get there. <laughs> it's because you're a vessel. I'm a vessel. <laughs> beloved, I'm a vessel that contains Christ. Beloved, if you're a vessel that contains Christ, he's talking to you. You, you can just leave that up there. Beloved, beloved, I pray that you may prosper. I actually like the New King James better. It says, I wish above all things. I wish above all things. I wish above all things. Ooh, that's so nice. Because you know what it says? It says, this is my priority in life. 
My priority in life is I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. What is he saying? The reason that it's a priority for me and the reason that it's important for me in my life is because I want to journey with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be intimately involved with every step that you're taking. And I know that you can't get to prosper and be in health without me. It's an invitation for you and I to journey together because when we journey together and you and I along that journey, then we can step into something new. I wish above all things. Why? Because it's a journey that you prosper and be in health. You experience the fullness of who I am, that you walk into the I am that I am, that you walk into abundant life, that you walk into the fullness of everything that he offers us. Even as your soul prospers. Another word for soul there is your mind. It's your identity. It's who you are. So what he's saying is, I'm talking to people who recognize the fact that they're vessels. I'm talking to people who have the spirit of Christ on the inside of them. I want you to know that I'm committed to this. The most important thing for me is you and I journeying together. And I need you to know what the end goal is. I'm wanting to walk walk you into wholeness and fullness and life of a superior nature. That's my goal. But now it's dependent on your soul prospering. So what he says is, I'm shifting everything over to you. Do you want it? Do you want it? We have to make a decision in and of ourselves. My mind prospering has everything to do with being made new. Being made new. Be not conformed to this world. What is he saying? Don't look like the rest of creation. Anytime you go to creation to find fulfillment, you're going to be disillusioned. You're going to find that it cannot fulfill what you need to do. Don't be conformed to the rest of creation, but be made new by renewing your mind. Be transformed, be made new by renewing your mind. Who you are, what he's saying is stop living off creation and get connected to the creator. When you get connected to the creator, things can start to happen in your life. The author can do some stuff in your life that you're never going to find in the place that he's committed. You're never going to get the benefit of Steve Jobs by fiddling in your iPhone. But if you meet him and if you connect with him, something well could have happened. Things happen when we connect with God. Amen. I, I can't get into this right now because it's another whole thing. But it's, mm. I think there's something else I was going to leave you with. To be transformed is to be made new. To be made new. Who I am and what I'm all about. The way I think, the way I consider, the essence of what I'm about. He wants to touch and he wants to affect that. And when we allow him to do that, what we do is we allow spiritual substance to begin to redefine who I am. Spiritual substance, his substance, things that are of him. When we do that, we enter into the whole realm of something we call faith. It's being defined by him. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't matter that you don't see it. 
It doesn't matter what your reality looks like. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Why? Because the minute you're talking about creation, it's subject to change. It's subject to change. The minute you bring the creator on the scene, things will begin to happen. And so we find ourselves in an interesting place because we really are a conduit between the creator and creation. And we get to live in the space, but we really enjoy the fullness of the space when we connect it to this space. Paul was interesting because he recognized the journey and he recognized how important it was for him to be changed and become something new. And for him to be, for his identity to be made new through who Christ was. And so he says something interesting, like in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was committed to holiness because he understood the fruit and the value of holiness. It doesn't happen in a moment. It's a relationship. Relationships grow. Relationships have depth. And the, the interesting thing that I found about relationships with God is that it's, it goes through different seasons. And there's sometimes where things are really robust and really good. And I love it. It seems like everything's fabulous. And then sometimes you go through other times in life where it's not necessarily God, but you go through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> and when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you really wonder where God is. And I, I have to take consolation in the fact that I'm not the only one who thinks that. <laughs> because it's interesting for me when you read some of these people in the Bible who had encounters with God that are so, so personal and so dramatic. And in the very next chapter, they're like, well, where is God? And I'm thinking, where is God? Good grief. It, it was funny. I was talking to Greg this week, and we were talking about something. Like The amazing thing to me is when I think about Israel – they must be like the biggest tribe of lobotomy cases. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. I mean, if you had one miracle that was dramatic in your life, the degree to which that would influence you. So now imagine standing on the edge of the ocean and God says, I'll tell you what, let me just separate it for you. I think you'd remember that. I don't get it. I don't get how God does some stuff in your life and you get to the other side and you forget about God. Every time there's a hiccup and something happens, but where's God? Where's God? Every time things don't go your way, we'll just form a new idol and we'll worship something different. And I'm like, he walked you through the ocean. Apart from providing water for you, apart from providing food for you, apart from navigating you every single day. I mean, this is like a pillar of fire. And people want to get all worked up about UFOs. Nobody's seen one, but I don't know. Well, maybe they have. I don't know. But they all get worked up with they're like a UFO right there every day. This huge pillar of fire leading them and a cloud by day, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They had this like God in their face every single day. I don't get it. How do you have that kind of interaction with God that is so in your face, it's so real and it's so gritty? And in the very next chapter, what are we doing? We're off, lost God again. <laughs> if you just opened the oceans for me once, <laughs> I would never forget it. 
but we forget about the things of God so quickly. We forget about where he's taken us from and what he's moved us into. It's funny as natural people how quickly we're influenced and affected by our world when you're in the valley. Somehow when we're on the mountaintop, things are good. And you can forget God there as well, believe me. To stay intimate and connected with him. To discover the secret place where you can live life from him. Where you can experience him. Where you allow him to take of who he is and birth that inside of you. To know that I'm not the person that I used to be last month or six months ago or last year. I don't behave the same way. To have different vision and perspectives on things. To know that you're still going to have challenges in life. But the thing is, what, what is the first thing that comes to you when you face that challenge? Am I overcome by his presence, his wholeness, his perfection, the I am that I am? He says, whatever you're looking for, it finds its completion in me. You You may have some physical struggles today. I want to tell you what his invitation is. It finds its completion in me. You may have some financial needs today. It finds its completion in him. You may be fearful. Riddled with guilt, finds its completion in him. Everything finds completion in him. And when we get to the place where we live from the vibrancy and the vitality of that relationship, it's not a formula, but it's a simple place of going to him and sitting saying, Holy Spirit, you know what? I don't like this. And I've been living with it for a long time. And you know what the funny thing is? Part of the reason I tell people to shut up when they speak to God sometimes is because he needs to have a chance to to talk to us. The problem with it is sometimes we're so busy trying to fix the fruit of our life that if we just listen to him, he would tell us what the root was. The reason that we find ourselves very often dealing with recurring problems is because I'm trying to fix the fruit. And if I just stopped for a minute and said, speak to me, Holy Spirit, what is the root of this? He'll show you. And when he shows you, I can find completion in him. He'll come into that space. He'll pull it out and he'll replant you with who he is. That's practically how it happens. I can't believe it's that simple. He said it. Unless you become his little children. Why? Because it can't be that simple. Surely it's a lot more complicated than this. It's just simple. So we find ourselves in an interesting place because I think that for a long time we've known a lot of stuff about God, but I believe what's most important for God right now is I don't really want you to know about me. That season's kind of been there, done that. and It's okay if that's where you start your journey. But unless you actually end up knowing me, walking with me, having relationship with me, it never fulfills its purpose. Knowing never fulfills its purpose unless it introduces you to Christ. Because knowledge is never going to change you. You'll be very unfulfilled as a Christian. He's the one who gives us life. But it's interesting for me because we always think that we want what God has for us. 
and all too often we want it as long as it doesn't upset my apple cart. <laughs> don't upset my religious apple cart. We don't, we, nobody ever thinks they're religious, especially not in like the, denom, the, 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 the places we are. We operate in, I don't even know if you want to call it a denomination, whatever it is, this thing. But we think other denominations are religious. Surely I'm not. The funny thing about it is, you know what, you quickly discover whether you're religious if God takes some of those fundamental truths of yours and says, you know what, it's not that they're wrong, but I want to expand them a little bit. <gasps> well, you've missed the boast. Heresy. I wish it was funnier than what it was, but it's sad for me because it's, it's like I see it in people's lives and people get upset about stuff and people leave because of different things. And I'm like, listen, your relationship with God is between you and him. Amen. You've got to decide what you... I'm not here to live your life. What I try to do is I bring you some stuff that I believe God is, is saying to me. And hopefully it challenges you. Because if it doesn't challenge you, then I, I don't think I've done a good job. <laughs> but it's designed to do that. Because it's designed to interrogate where you are with God. To sit and say, don't put your tent down right there. Keep it up. Keep moving with him. Follow the cloud. Follow the pillar. Keep going. Why? Because he's moving you all the time. Until we reach the point of perfection, then you can put your tent down. Until I reach that place where I look like Christ, I can't put my tent down. And it's going to upset some stuff and unsettle some stuff. And that's not bad. Get, get, get okay with the idea that the only reason God unsettles stuff is because I have more for you. That's the only reason he does it. He just wants you to find completion in him. And sometimes where we are, we're settling for like 10% of what we could get from God. And he's like, I got so much more. If you just come with me, I'll take you to the promised land. Stop trying to get stuck there. God wants for you to prosper. And you need to know that. And you need to celebrate that. And you need to go on a journey to discover how you prosper in God. Because he's inviting you to find your fullness in him. He wants you to come to a place where you are robust and full and overcome and overwhelmed with abundant life. Here's the shock for you. You have a responsibility to do it. You have a responsibility to be prosperous. Why? Because you carry his name to the world. You cannot carry his name if you're in need. I can carry his name when I have something to offer you. Father, I just want to thank you for the most incredible people. I want to thank you, Father, that we are unique vessels. Unique vessels because we are the only ones that were created with a space reserved for you. Spirit of God, I want to thank you that as you inhabit us, I need to just do something differently. I, um, I want you to pray something. So you're going to pray for the life of God that's inside of you to overwhelm you.
I don't want to pray it on you. I want you to declare it. So if that's what you want, close your eyes, put your, eye, put your hands open. Father, I thank you for the Son, Jesus. The Spirit of Christ in me, I surrender to you. I thank you that in you I find my wholeness and my completion. I ask you, Holy Spirit, in fact, I invite you to interrogate my life. And as you raise areas in me that need wholeness and completion, I invite you to show them to me and put me at a place where I invite you and your wholeness to fill me. Spirit of God, I pray on every person here today, blessing, prosperity, richness, fullness, wholeness, abundant life. I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, that you set us up and equip us to go into the world. I want to thank you that the greater one lives on the inside of us. I want to thank you that the creator the one responsible for all of creation is resident inside of us. I pray, Spirit of Christ, that you introduce us more and more to who we are in you. I want to thank you for the authority that comes from that. And as we live from that authority, I want to thank you for the power and influence that comes. I thank you that you're raising up a generation of people who are not prepared to be content with where they've been. People who are ready to unsettle the world. I want to thank you for people who are full of answers. And people who go out, not in the wisdom of not what they know, but in power of the Spirit. I thank you for testimonies this week. In Jesus' name, amen.